0: Maggie O'Reilly is an occupational therapist who uses a strength-based approach along with evidence-based interventions and curriculums to enhance young children's skills and confidence in the great outdoors. Maggie loves this work so much, in fact, that she chose not to give in to her natural shyness about public speaking, so she could share some of her knowledge about all kinds of ways to make the very most of time in nature with young children. Thank you, Maggie. I loved this conversation. We started this conversation with an important and inspiring quote from Rachel Carson, Then we moved into discussing the very real, but perhaps not so obvious benefits, both short-term and long-term, provided to very young children when they share experiences in nature with family and other caring adults. I learned so much from Maggie about easy and natural ways to increase children's awareness about the liveliness all around them when they're outdoors. We also talked about the research-based benefits of time spent in natural environments that positively impact children's mental, physical, and of course, their social well-being. Even if you're located in an urban environment with little access to what is typically, typically considered a natural environment, this conversation with Maggie will expand your awareness about possibilities for enriching the lives of the young children in your care. And so, for that reason, it's, it's also very, very worth listening to. Oh, and you'll definitely want to check out Maggie's great list of resources in this episode's notes. Welcome to this episode 104, 104 of the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast. I am your host, NeNe White, and I am grateful to be sharing this conversation with you. Thank you for being here. So Maggie O'Reilly, hello. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: No, I I think what you are doing, what you are bringing to young children and their families is uh, like... uh, so important for this planet actually for them of course but for this planet and i am so grateful for what you're doing and to be able to talk to you and hear about it because i just have a broad sense of outdoor education and outdoor adventures and how they can be so purposeful and you're going to fill in a whole kinds of gaps about our understanding so yes
1: yeah i'm super excited this is my favorite thing to talk about Uh, i'm (laughs) excited to talk with you about it today and um, just share my experience
0: um, good just a snippet but good 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 um so i uh, your website is so charming and engaging and live oak kids right Yeah. yeah And we will put all of that in the show's notes, but I saw this beautiful quote there from Rachel Carson on your website, and I'm just going to share it now, and then I'd love to have your thoughts why you put that up there specifically. So it says, if children are to keep alive their inborn sense of wonder, they need the companionship of at least one adult who can share in their sense of wonder. By rediscovering with them the joy, excitement, and mystery of the world we live in, I love that. So,
1: share your thoughts. I love it too. Yes, one, Rachel Carson's one of my favorite authors, and um, she's shared so much insight and just prolific writer. And yeah. that's one of my favorite quotes. Um, yes, and I really, especially having my own child, I saw this, um, or I read this, and I, you know, understood the importance of it. And um, really, it's just about being present, you know, with with your child and how children learn from their models, right, they learn, they, Mm -hmm. they learn to do what they see. And if they see their grown up is stopping to just notice and discover and be interested in Mm -hmm. the natural world, they're going to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And also children just have that innate curiosity and we can follow their lead and, and pause and be with them, you know, and connect, um, just our human nature to want to connect socially and, you know, with, with a caregiver. So, um, it's such a perfect way to do it, to just, follow what the child is interested in and just really be present and um, discovering and how much the child is learning and the the adult is also learning.
0: It's it's a two-way street that you're emphasizing. Yes. I know sometimes, you know, having little ones can be exhausting. Mm -hmm. But when we engage, you're encouraging us that when we engage in that discovery process with them, either they're noticing what we're noticing or we're noticing what they're noticing and sharing that, that it's all the richer.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So much Ah. richer. And it's just, yeah, it's about nature connection and it's about the, the, the attachment with, you know, the caregiver connection as well. So it's Mm.
0: um, Mm. Mm. through the bonds of nature. I love it. it. I love it. I love it. So you're all about, Uh, helping one to four-year-old kids, uh, each accompanied by a parent or a caregiver in your programs, Mm -hmm. to grow, connect, engage, and enjoy in nature. (laughs) I love it. Very clear. The goal. (laughs) Yes. So I'm imagining that your outdoor enrichment programs are not rigidly structured. And yet, I'm sure that you provide opportunities for intentional activities. So there's quite a balance there, I would imagine. And I wonder what you can tell us about that.
1: Yes, thank you for that question. It is It's quite a balance that i'm I'm discovering myself. I'm just um, mm-hmm. I just started doing nature play groups with my daughter when she was young and just with friends and it's grown Um, it's just something i'm really passionate and interested about and i thought i want to bring this to other families and so i've you know been running these nature play groups for families and i'm an occupational therapist so i have this background of um with that sort of lens where we set up intentional you know therapeutic activities with different materials and um but then working in nature you know you want to get away from maybe so much stuff that I'm used to having it and use yeah. the nature. And it's about nature connection. So I'm I'm finding a balance um, through also learning a lot more about nature based learning and forest a school um, teacher pedagogy to try to blend the two um, and bring something really meaningful for the families. Yeah, um, so it's, you know, set up to engage the parents and the child so they can have you know family time together and that bonding time to rediscover and be present together but at the same time i'm also hoping to kind of show the the meaningfulness of, of stepping back and being that observer as the parent and letting the child mm. have that unstructured play and be the leader and mm. um, there's just so much you know, learning that takes place when we let the child just, you know, we don't structure every activity for them, obviously, yes. in that unstructured time. And that's the beauty of nature, a lot of nature programs, and <clears throat> excuse me, um, nature based learning is you have these great opportunities for unstructured free play with all the loose parts and all the natural materials. Um, <clears throat> so I, I do like to incorporate that, but I also it's a weekend program and it's only a few hours and it's also for the caregivers. So I, I like to set up um, some invitations and some intentional activities, like you said, that like are open-ended,
0: you know, open-ended. Okay. But give us some examples, like specifically what's happened in some of your programs. Yeah.
1: Um, well, I usually set up something <clears throat> as an introductory um, activity so when families come something very simple like a process art. You know here's some sticks in a bucket and here's some. um, Some fun tempera paint markers or things like that, so they can the children love to just you know create so something simple like that they can paint a story stick. Um, or a little nature scavenger hunt. I'll have some pictures out. Can you go and find this? So an introductory, (laughs) I find like a warm-up activity because families are coming and they might not know each other, you know, beforehand. So there's getting to know each other. So we start with something like that. And then we'll do a circle time with stories and a group activity. Because I do like to try to build the social connection between the children. So many children now are... um, you know just lack that exposure over the past couple of years yeah. that it's really it's still impacting and it's yes. um going to for a while so having yes. a social activity a game we can do together and then um I just set up like a dirt kitchen area and some a
0: dirt kitchen
1: dirt kitchen yeah we don't have water <laughs> here in northern california so we can't do a mud kitchen as much where i where i run my group so we do dirt kitchen but um nature kitchen
0: um, what's in a dirt kitchen what's in a nature kitchen oh just
1: lots of um shovels and scoopers mm-hmm. and pie tins things they can make mm-hmm. you know uh, a leaf soup or a uh,
0: Le- leaf soup
1: pie. yeah <laughs> it's, you know children love to mimic real life so they yes. you know, the kitchen play is always usually engaging um, for them. And it's a nice open ended activity. So I always have that set up. And I always set up a quiet sort of book nook area for some children that are families that might want to just have a little time away from the bigger group. So mm-hmm. they have a kind of a calm down area with books. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I set up swings and some hammocks because my OT lens, I really want that sensory motor piece and that um, lots of movement and physical play. So I do set up some things like that. Um, And then I'll usually set up just one other kind of big art activity like a painting sheet or tree rubbings or something like that. And then.
0: tree rubbings you
1: know when you put the paper on the tree and then you use um oh. or like a leaf rubbing you use the crayon like a the flat side of the crayon to do a rubbing and it gets the print
0: oh. through. of oh, the bark the texture yes. of the bark yes.
1: the bark rubbing wow yeah, exactly. and just noticing you know there's just so much i mean there's so much you mm. can learn from that and talk about the patterns you're seeing and mm. um but you could turn that into i've know had children think oh this is our map and turn that into a map or yeah opportunity for a set sorry there's so much opportunity for creative you know
0: creativity oh i love all of your examples any more examples you want to give us that's just i just would never have thought of that i mean i've always loved pouncing trouncing you know through the forest and all of that but to come up with these specific activities i can see how They just give you more, give the kids more ownership of their environment. And I don't mean ownership like owning it, but just connection with it.
1: Yes. Because of
0: those meaningful interactions that are open-ended, as you say.
1: Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's what a lot of, um, the nature-based learning and outdoor learning educators, um, that I've learned from, you know, there's a lot of talk of, um, How just the unstructured play and even just just managing conflicts outdoors is it's just it comes more naturally and the peer relationships come more naturally when children are in an outdoor setting. Um,
0: Can we talk about conflicts outdoors and give us a sample scenario of something you've lived through and managed
1: um well
0: there's quite a few, let's see. you know, (laughs)
1: that's part of growing up, that's part of life, right, absolutely, I I did
0: not expect that to be part of this conversation, but I love that it came up, let's, Um,
1: yeah, it's just learning, um, like, oh, I, you know, that was my stick, I want that stick um, back, and you can, I mean, just when it comes down to materials, if you have less, like, actual toys, then it's, well, let's find, you know, that was a really important stick, but about, you know, finding there's all so many other sticks, you can reframe it. So we can find you another stick. There's so many sticks here, you know, but
0: um, does that work? I mean, yeah. I, I remember with my boys, was- I was stick. actually when I was a kid, I wanted my brother's stick no matter. what.
1: So, I- well, yeah, no,
0: it's about it. I mean, <laughs> it's
1: really about how you're framing it, I think, for the child, which I'm not an expert in, but I'm really learning a lot um, through A forest school teacher training program that I'm doing that. um, kind of comes from. Just approaching it like you know I wonder giving the ownership to the child to kind of give which you're you know you could speak on this. um, i'm sure by giving the ownership to the child of solving the problem so. um, I wonder. What other kinds of wands we can find out here or, or, you know, I'm not, I'm not, no, no, you are, it, but, you, you, know, are. I, you know, I'm learning this. So I'm, you know, I'm actively learning how to do this right now. It's really, yeah. um, it's really a skill, but, um, once you kind of get the language to kind of reframe for the child, yeah, it's much easier and it, it works.
0: <laughs> uh, it does. I mean, what you've done is, I just felt the resistance in me in that little bratty me from when I was a little kid, Absolutely, just holding on and gripping. And then you took me in your wondering and then I started wondering. Yes. So yes, yeah. the language is, is powerful mm-hmm. and, and so helpful for everybody. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful.
1: Yeah. And I think just being um, just physically being outdoors, you know, like this the whole idea behind forest bathing and um, the healing properties of, of being in nature can also just overlay some self-regulation and um, regulation skills.
0: Just the, the basic atmosphere, you're saying? Yes, exactly, yeah. But it just, yeah, instead of being in a computer lab. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very... Different environments that we need to be really, really aware that they're affecting us all the time. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's what
1: um, you know. The environment is the second teacher, is Mm. the phrase that you know I've learned, and how like, and nature is is a co-facilitator of the educational environment. You know, if you're working outdoors, so. it's not that we're using nature but we're working with nature and nature is mm. another teacher mm. Um, mm. A natural teacher for the children
0: you use that phrase forest bathing oh yeah have you heard of that i, I have <laughs> but i'd love to hear your interpretation because i haven't really
1: come um, into
0: it i just have an intuitive sense but i'd love to help you get some help from you thinking about it
1: oh yes yeah well i think it i think that's the phrase originated in japan if i'm correct but i could be wrong
0: Mm -hmm. um
1: but it's just the idea of actually and um just being in nature and this is my understanding which is probably minimal but being in nature um and just absorbing the healing ions from the trees and from the dirt that are scientifically this is like a real thing that you know our bodies are yeah. affected by the natural world and so just by being in nature can calm the nervous system yeah um, and so that's Beautiful. like a prescription that you know I that doctors are giving out now is like spending time in nature right
0: I love it I love it yeah I mean of course of
1: course exactly it seems so obvious but it's we've gotten so far away from that and all our learning takes place indoors and everything is digitized now and um,
0: yeah
1: it's kind of like to me it's just the thing like in school we teach right you know you teach handwriting you teach writing you do it every day you just have to keep doing it every day until you learn it and I feel like it's the same with nature like outdoor talking about outdoor learning it's like we just have to keep talking about it and keep you know dripping it into the um the education world and just the child development world because it's really important
0: yeah and um some schools and some teachers and some families have huge huge challenges with that absolutely yeah yeah so uh, I want to jump ahead in what we're talking about. and There's some other things I want to talk about, but since we're going in that direction, what, what kinds of advice or guidance or help is out there that you could help teachers and parents and schools with on this subject?
1: Um, well, I mean, there's uh, quite a number of resources that I can um, share with you and that I also right. have on my website. Um, okay. the, nat- the Natural Start um, conference um is really an amazing resource that runs all year long it's it's a conference but you get um access to it there's all sorts of online classes um, or like presentations about nature-based learning and outdoor learning but it runs you get a whole year's access wow Um, and it's not very expensive at all and i i did it last year and i have them have it again this year and it's just a wealth of information
0: is it live or recorded no or? it's
1: record it's recorded and then they also present a few live sessions throughout the year but there's tons of recorded content wow. um and it covers all different topics so like like equity and inclusion and social emotional learning and how to you know project-based learning and how to set up a program or just i mean it's just There's all sorts of perspectives on there, which is cool.
0: And it's called?
1: Um, Natural Start.
0: Conference. Yes. Let me see here.
1: Um, Yeah, it's through the um, NAEE. Wait, hold on one second. (laughs) I get confused with all the acronyms. Yes, yes. I wrote it down. the, um, oh yeah, the NAAEE, so North American Association for Environmental Education, okay, is the 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 bigger organization, and then within that organization, they offer the Natural Start conference, and there's also a website.
0: Okay, that's a great resource. Okay. Um, really important. Uh, do they have in the things that you've been watching, like? for people who are really in the heart of a big city and i mean you hear about kids who've, who who yes. live 25 miles from the ocean and have never seen the ocean
1: yeah exactly They're very urban right. settings that can't access you know a nature preserve or hiking trails or
0: right you know,
1: absolutely and, and yes they i think there is a lot of um there's a lot of offerings that kind of talk about that. And there's a lot of programs that you can do like program tours that have built their programs in the middle of a city. Wow. Um, that's it's like a private preschool program that or some of them are public, but they have a big they've created some sort of an, a natural outdoor setting even in their small school setting. Um, but also, you know, on that note, I like to talk about just where maybe teachers can start because I also work in the public schools and I work yes with public preschool teachers and so yes even if you're not going out and accessing nature how can you do that within your classroom so just even yes. setting up you know a nature tray or a little nature table where the teacher maybe just brings in things for the children to explore you know a branch leaves whatever or you know. If there's one tree outside, can you go and collect whatever's falling from the tree and. Uh, um, you know if there's any sort of outdoor area, can you do a nature walk and collect some little things and come back and make some nature art. Um, just engaging with the material like with actual natural materials is yes. a start that anybody can do.
0: Yes, um, yeah probably growing something from seeds right
1: of course yeah gardening (laughs) growing is a wonderful way to to engage that and
0: what do you uh, (laughs) were you when you were a kid did you have an ant farm
1: I never did but um I definitely I mean I played outside quite a bit but yes Yes. that would be great ant farm the butterfly you can do butterfly um Mm. You know growing the caterpillars we did that last year and
0: oh in a little net
1: and then you set them free when they turn into butterflies oh learning all that good um empathy and just you know caring for wildlife and natural plants is a great place to start
0: right right um I I think about little hamsters on little wheels and I just feel like that's kind of the opposite of what you're talking about but what do you think about something like that yeah
1: like a pet I mean I think that's I yeah I don't see anything against that I know I went into one classroom and they had she had iguanas and she had these big tanks Ah. all along one wall and all sorts of guy you know um amphibians in there and it was just even the sound. I think she might have had a water tank too with fish. And just the sound of the water tank, you know, that mm. that it makes is kind of calming and just having that those natural elements. Okay. Yeah, I'm just thinking about this now. It really it added something to the classroom, like a nice okay. sense of
0: fun okay. and, and
1: calmness. So Yeah.
0: And yeah, just... I think
1: a class pet, yeah, is a great idea.
0: Okay. Okay, and I love that idea of the water flowing because it does, it's a different sensory experience and different Mm -hmm. sensory input and Mm -hmm. stirs up the air a bit. And
1: yes, yeah, and now, and I'm thinking now about just even the music, you know, you can, there's so many recordings out there of just natural bird sounds. And, you know, you could play that in the background while there's like a free play time or something.
0: Oh, that would be and talk about it yeah just say, what kind of bird right is that here. yeah and, and they could start to I have a um, and my niece is a real nature person she's gotten her advanced degrees in it and she you can go anywhere with her and she will tell you what that bird is she has memorized so many songs and it's incredible it's
1: incredible I know I have a friend who's a bird biologist who just fast it's like amazing the knowledge and I I've just started getting into um slow birding which is a term I learned about which is kind of this idea of just being where you are and just observing the birds like you don't have to have all this equipment and go to the best spots to see the birds to do birding you can just go out in your backyard and just sit for a few minutes and observe um and I've I've yeah been trying to figure out what is this guy in my backyard and and what kind of bird is it? And I, I just, it's like, it's hard to figure out, you know, you only get a snippet of them and listening to them and there's apps you can use now yes. to try to identify them, but it's really fun. But I do admire people that know a lot
0: about birds. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, but I love this idea of, yeah, you could just have some recordings. I mean, so much fun, the internet now, you know, and to just bring in that awareness and then, huh, yeah. see, see what you see it locally. And I'm sure there's all kinds of apps for that. You know, I live in this place and these kinds of birds are local and this is what mm-hmm. they sound like and just go out and see if, interesting. Oh, I love it. And what do you see as the advantage for that for kids, both short-term and long-term? What do you kind of advantages? Well,
1: uh, long-term, I mean, the research and, um, you know, all the information out there shows us that uh, children's experience between ages two and five is really impactful, and it Mm. it will carry over until, like, their adult life, right? So Mm. if they're... exposed to nature at a young age, they are much more likely to become um, stewards of the Earth, protectors of the Earth, caretakers Mm -hmm. of the Earth, or someone who's gonna, you know, be become a teacher and then foster outdoor learning in their students or, you know, find the importance of it. Um, So they're finding that that early exposure really does impact kind of behavior later in life. So I think it's really important. Wow. Um, on that, for that aspect.
0: Wow. Um, I yeah. love that there's research validating that. Yes. It makes so much sense.
1: Yeah. I it mean, makes so much yeah.
0: Sense. we hear about, you know, when people have horrible experiences and they're, you know, crippled or messed up for life, you know, but if you give purposefully give kids, you know, these nurturing experiences that connect them to our planet, mm-hmm. then you can have those kinds of carryovers. Yes. Yeah. And I would
1: also add that I think it's just a regulating kind of thing to have, like you can always have nature to soothe you or um, be there for you, even if it's like a tree that's outside your window that you look at, and you notice how it changes or how the light comes through, but it's the same or, you know, throughout the year, it's the same, but it's comforting, right? So I mean, there's huge mental health benefits to being in nature, or you know, um, being outdoors. Um, the light, just the natural light, is good for our eyes, right? There's all this evidence that children have there's huge increase in nearsightedness in children because they're not spending time outside and they're spending more time on screens, right? So.
0: Their eyes, their eye, little eye muscles are just focused for closeness and not. Exactly. Ee, I never thought of that. Ooh, wow. I bet you could give us a whole list of, of really important life-saving benefits. Yes. For outdoor adventure. I mean, it just was, oh, it always seemed so natural, but I just never thought of it in such purposeful terms as what you were bringing. Uh, so intentional and to to help really expand kids awareness and really connect them I just always thought of it as kind of a spontaneous thing but I I love what you're doing and what you're bringing
1: thank you yeah I love it too it's just Uh, it's actually it's brought a lot of just excitement for me as like in my career as an occupational therapist as a you know teacher in you know many ways in early childhood just it's reignited sort of my love of this work and um it's helped me to kind of trust trust in myself as like a as a teacher and um and it build it helps the children build trust in themselves too just you know by engaging in different activities taking some risk but feeling you know supported um, yeah so
0: by that adult engagement yes where they get to lead the and do the discovery with the adult caregiver the parent the adult caregiver that that would be just so deeply validating of their individuality Mm -hmm. and their self and and what they care about I love that, I love that. It's really important. That quote, I'm going to put it in the show's notes because I I think that's really, really important. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hey, so I just want to take a moment here to acknowledge that this conversation is one more reminder that there are so many educators who focus on drawing out the best that is within children. And I want to let you know that I'm starting to put together a pilot program to teach a small group of educators, an approach that I developed when I was a full-time teacher that consistently drew out the best from my students around the full spectrum of their social, their emotional, and their life skills development, even from my most reluctant, ornery, rebellious students, the so-called troublemakers. And it was never difficult. But it did take making intentional use of some basic human instincts that are born right into all of us, including all the kids in our care, and which I have never seen utilized in any other SEL approaches. And I have been checking out all the SEL approaches. So if you're interested, and by that I mean if you'd just like to be on the list to learn about when the pilot program is getting ready to be shared with an adventurous group of teachers... Then connect with me, please, on the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast Facebook page uh, On that, with that group. Uh, just You'll figure out how to just, you know, join that group and then uh, private message me, I guess. It, I want you to know that it's not going to be expensive, but it will introduce you to a next-level way for young kids to show up with more of their own problem-solving skills. And for them to effortlessly stretch beyond their own self-limiting behaviors and readily manifest more of their natural built-in abilities to connect with others. You know, to get along with others, which is what we all want for them. Okay, hope to connect with you soon. Let's get back to where we left off in the conversation. So, I also... I am deeply touched by what you've brought together. Seemingly such n- unrelated uh, areas of of endeavor, outdoor education and occupational therapy, and and when you start to describe it, it makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. But I, I think it's uh, it's quite fresh and and important what you're bringing. So, do you want to give us any more examples of that, or?
1: Yeah, and I can also just say that, um, you know, there's uh, wonderful resources out there for nature-based therapy. Um, Fabulous. If there's other therapists or teachers out there that want to learn more about it. Um, yes. There's the Therapy in the Great Outdoors community, which is um, an online community um, with a lot of resources okay. that people could join, and um, there's a lot of wonderful nature-based therapists that are online, um, to learn from that I can, <laughs> I can share, you know, some, some, um, resources as well, but yeah. Um, so working outdoors, there's a, you know, it's been, um, I would say probably maybe started by, uh, an occupational therapist named Angela Hanscom. Oh, okay. Um, so she has a book called balanced in barefoot. Um, oh, that, really talks about the importance of outdoor play for sensory motor development, which is like this big area in our OT scope of practice Uh Um, and how we can work on children's sensory systems, their motor systems, their regulatory systems by working outdoors. Um,
0: Do you mind going into the details of that sensory motor and a, regulatory regulatory I would love to hear you define each one of those and relate them to the the work that you're doing because um, yeah I need more details please
1: yeah definitely um, <clears throat> sensory processing is like um, kind of complex but I will try to <laughs> make it simplified um, it's just really how we're responding to the environment and um, also to sensations in our body so Mm -hmm. Um, there's um, the foundational sensory systems that start as a young baby like our our sense of movement and our sense of where our body is in space and our sense Mm -hmm. of touch that helps us learn about the world and it helps us begin to crawl and be able to grab things and be able to respond to different um, sensory input and so um, a lot of children who end up Um, you know, maybe requiring occupational therapy services might have um, sensory processing differences that um, can be um, improved or adapt, you know, or can be, um, the child can be helped to maybe advocate for what their sensory system might need or. um, Like
0: what kind of, what kind of problem would would indicate that they needed help?
1: Um, well, I mean, a lot of times it ends up being like, a it, it, it shows itself maybe in a behavioral um, out um, behavioral sort of reaction. So the child might be easily overstimulated by like a, a noisy environment or a very busy environment, or um, they might be extremely sensitive to, to touch and so they cannot like will not tolerate any sort of messiness on their hands. Um, Okay. Or they might have, like, be a kiddo that they say is on the go and they're like just constantly moving and they can never sit still. And so maybe they're missing out on learning opportunities because their body, you know, can't regulate or. Um...
0: And now that's kind of sounding like um, uh, ADHD, but you're
1: yeah I can see how it does sound like a d h d, but it's also um, I don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole because I'm like not i mean, i I know I understand quite a bit, and I've learned a lot about sensory processing in my sixteen years as an ot, but I'm not the best at like explaining it in a concise way. <laughs> no, I get on that. No, but, I'm um,
0: sorry. I didn't mean to counter what you were saying. I just wanted to see. It I does, could see yeah. how ADHD would be helped by everything that you're talking about. So is there a crossover is what I was trying yes. to ask?
1: Yeah, there can be. But um, really what I'm talking about is like a child's vestibular system. So that's their, um, it, which is like inside the inner ear. And it's really how we oh. process movement. Oh. Um, and it's a really foundational sensory system. Oh, It kind of, it sets up uh, like, a lot of the firing for the rest of the brain. So it's, um, it's, it's a huge piece in sensory processing. Um, And so some children who don't process the vestibular input as efficiently will end up, they're not getting enough of that information that a child just naturally needs. And so they're always trying to get more and more of more information to their vestibular system so they can Um, you know, feel good in their body. Okay. So, but um, ADHD is, it can be something different than that, um, but the child still might be very much on the go, but it might not be necessarily a vestibular thing. Okay. But okay. there can't, you can have, you can have both. So sure. It's like, yeah. Sure.
0: Sure. So um, this is interesting. I never heard about this vestibular uh, challenges to the vestibular system. So how does, I, I can picture, imagine something, but how would you help a child with that when you're in outdoor natures with them?
1: Well, that's a great question. So there's so <laughs> much opportunity um, yes. for this type of play. So, you know, maybe in a, in a clinic setting, you might, or um, in, in a clinic setting, you might have like um, some swing set up indoors or some simulated like um, experiences. Um, And then um, in an outdoor setting, you have all sorts of you can be climbing, you know, climbing a tree, your head's going to be moving through space, you can be um, running, you know, on uneven surfaces, you can you know, do big body movements. You can do rolling with them. You know, log rolling
0: oh.
1: down a hill. Um, I do set up swings. I mean, that is one thing I do set up different swings outdoors um, because that is a great way to target the vestibular system. But it's nice because you can get a lot of different angles on a swing when it's coming from a tree. You can get it maybe a little bit higher,
0: oh. um,
1: sort of a bigger um, uh-huh. arc. You know what I mean? Like, it can swing in different ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, just bending over, having their head go below their heart, just natural picking up a stick, you're going up and down. Um,
0: Wow.
1: It's just, yeah, there's a lot of different ways um, that you can engage the sensory systems outdoors, Um, walking on a a log for a balance beam, um, lifting, carrying, pushing,
0: touching. I mean... Yeah, you know, honestly, Maggie, this, it's just unpacking the the sweetest details about what happens outside that does not happen inside. Exactly. It doesn't happen inside. We're not, it's not natural to move in those ways indoors. And it's completely natural to move that way outdoors. Exactly.
1: Yeah, there's so much more room for the body to to explore and test its limits and,
0: Especially, and it, it's
1: naturally motivating. That's the thing. You don't yes. have to force the child to like, right. you know.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Which is extremely important at that age, but also it's, um, uh, it's just, it's just so it just pulls you as you're saying, it's just, yeah. Oh my gosh. Right after this conversation, I'm going to have to take a walk outside. <laughs> yeah. Yes no I, I, because really i didn't i didn't really i was just sort of a blanket understanding and appreciation of being in nature but i'm really seeing how combined with the occupational therapy it's truly healing and uh, nurturing truly not just in some vague kind of a way mm-hmm. wow like yeah. can you tell us some of your most fulfilling or satisfying um uh, experiences with children that were really needing to have more outdoorness that their families help them with and
1: yeah I think just um just knowing that I get a lot of families that haven't don't spend a lot of time in nature or have never been to um you know the park where we meet um Mm -hmm. and I feel like just even showing them how to get there and Um, that it exists is like a huge um kind of reward um, because I know just when I had a young child I really wanted to get I hiked so much before I had a child and then once I had a child it was like how am I going to do this and I just it's isolating to be a new parent yes Um, and so having a community to To meet up with and then also to be in the woods and also to get out there and 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 know that your child is really enjoying this and um i also i like i love working with families who um are you know might be more protective of their child which is completely Uh, natural but um kind of facilitating a little bit more of that like risky play and setting it up for them and kind of modeling how we can do this where the child feels empowered and the parent also feels like safe you know like it's It's okay okay. yeah yeah
0: oh oh so important because we hear a lot about that helicopter parenting and that it's doing probably more harm than good for the child's sense of yeah
1: yeah and it's I mean it's hard I'm not I'm definitely not, um, what's the word? I definitely have my helicopter. I mean, I'm, I'm probably a helicopter, sure. too. But I sure. you know, I know theoretically the benefits. And it's always easier to like work with someone else's child. You know, sure. So- <laughs> and tell them what to do. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. But um, yeah, and I think um, also just, working on like a regulation, you know, if a child is really averse to getting dirty, a lot of kids are not used to getting dirty, or they're told not to get dirty. And right. so now we're in a setting where it's like, you're okay, it's okay to get dirty. And we want you to get dirty. And yeah, they're not used to that. And so I just always bring um, wipes. And I just honor, like, that doesn't feel good to you. Let's wipe your hands off. And then you can get back to it, get dirty again. Uh-huh. Um, so just building it up that way. Uh-huh. Um, and um yeah what else I think
0: uh, I I like that um makes me sad when that aversion to dirt or soil or you know mother earth and and touching it and the muddy gushy <laughs> I had two boys they they had no problem with it. <laughs> oh
1: that's yeah that's great and you did it so that you were you know
0: yeah I'm kind of a tomboy myself so yeah
1: that makes a big you know a big deal and you know and Mm -hmm. I mean culturally like it's you know there's so many factors like maybe it's you know to be dirty is a different is such a negative yeah uh perception or you know I'm just saying that um, yes there's all different reasons but
0: yes yes
1: but for nature-based educators, we want everybody to be dirty, right? So. Yes, yes. <laughs> and
0: um, Yeah, because dirt, there's dirt, and then there's there's dirty. I don't know. To me, there's two different things there, because there can be nice, clean dirt. <laughs> right, right.
1: But <laughs> well, it has, you know, he, and dirt actually has, like, right, great properties for, there's some research article, I didn't read it myself, but I heard about it, about the gut biome, and how are it's like it's not as strong right in our children now because they're not exposed to to the natural world and to dirt and there is like good Uh um good uh like bacteria in there that that we need for our gut system so i always joke around with my daughter like i will be if you eat some dirt i am gonna be so proud of you that is so (laughs) good for you don't eat the dirt (laughs) <laughs> because you're going to grow too big
0: and strong and she loves it, she loves it. <laughs> um, I remember I would take my kids to you know play and they would eat sand and dirt and everything and it was just like really I mean they put it in their mouth and then they'd make some funny face and then they'd eat it again and make some funny it was like they it was a love-hate relationship but it was adorable
1: yeah yeah and they're learning so much from that experience right a- like
0: absolutely and they're both incredibly healthy so there you go there you go yeah (laughs) yeah oh my gosh how sweet how sweet this picture that you've painted I love it um I feel like we do we did get to talk about some ways that uh teachers and occupational therapists and parents can bring more of this into the home and into the classroom Mm -hmm. is there anything else you want to share with us about all of that or
1: um I think maybe I'll just say for um, families, I just had a few suggestions like that are really simple. If you're going to go out for a walk, um, you can even just draw a little scavenger hunt, just draw a quick picture of a bird, a quick picture of a tree or stick flower, whatever you know, is in your neighborhood. And you know, it doesn't have to be um, some fancy thing it's just draw a picture and put it on a little piece of paper and say can we find these or it just it adds a little more fun and excitement for everybody
0: absolutely I oh that's kids co- out the door sometimes it's <laughs> completely wonderful that that purpose-driven thing where that we're all kind of programmed to be but uh, just, yeah yeah and it's good that focus element focus mm-hmm. element I think is always important and there is one other question that I wanted to ask you. I think, you know, in the United States, this is like, Ooh, what Maggie's doing. It's so amazing, right. you know, but in other countries, this is a hundred percent natural, right? They never exactly. stop doing this.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's a great point. I mean, <laughs> global, globally, this is how, you know, a lot. many schools in, around the world are just run outdoors. That's just, how they're run.
0: <laughs> like and all year or what?
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um and so it is. It's like, you know, now it's a thing here and um right and also because of our the way we live and stuff. So obviously indigenous cultures lived with the earth and learned from the earth for, you know, forever. Right. And now we're trying to get back back yeah. to that a bit because we've gotten away from it
0: yes yeah and h- how does a, a school be outdoor i guess they're not emphasizing on any of the academic stuff they're just only about learning outdoors or, or what Can well you that's a, a bit? great question <laughs> um
1: i mean the academics well um it, it's all part like the the outdoor learning and i'm talking about programs like to six year olds like preschool programs i can't speak about sure but i mean the academics are built in to the natural like learning like counting and science and steam i mean there's Uh, so much information out there about steam and stem learning that is so easy um easily taught in outdoor learning and natural learning because they just tie together
0: natural okay yes yeah
1: i mean you could do you could do um, so much project-based learning where you would be getting those um, you know those academic and schools like school skills
0: and, and um, thinking skills know. and problem solving yes. skills and oh yeah. my gosh yeah Oh yeah, I love
1: really, it. It's very rich and it's very there's there's tons of um, resources out there to learn more.
0: About Have you you're going? have you have you been to any of those outdoor schools in any other countries no yeah no. but you've <laughs> well, probably seen videos or something or... yes
1: yeah there's different like organizations there was one in peru that i didn't read the entire um article i skimmed it but there's there's features and this um well the natural star conference you can tour but they're all, i think they're all in uh-huh. this. i think they're all in this country but they there might be some in other country i'm not really sure but you can do video tours of different outdoor schools.
0: Oh, fantastic. Yeah. God, you just want that for all children.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly right. Like, that's the right of the child to play outdoors. And so, how can we facilitate that for all children in all settings? And not, it doesn't have to be 100% outdoors, but right. maybe more than what they're getting right now.
0: Right, right. So, just, if we just thought about it for a second, 20 years from now, if today's generation was all getting some quality outdoor t- time many times each week, 30 years from now, what 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 do you think would be the decisions that would be being made for our environment or what do you think?
1: Ooh, I love that question. Uh, <laughs> I think they will have solved climate change now. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that's, I mean, think about that. Like. How much care and protection, you know, maybe there'd be really more protected lands. Maybe there'd be more um, lands that are, you know, rematriated, if I'm saying that correctly, and given back to indigenous cultures. Mm. Um, Maybe there would be more actual care of the land, like, you know, picking up trash and,
0: Mm. you know, um,
1: pollution. Mm. And I mean, And and if they're, you know, they're creators, they're problem solvers, they're gonna be coming up with, um, they're gonna have the care about the earth and then they're gonna be able to come up with more ways to solve some of our problems.
0: And Maybe even notice more. I was um, a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, on the river, the Russian river up in Sonoma County and just kayaking with a friend and then sometimes we'd come against people who come up against people who were you know, kayaking with their big boombox and loud music and everything. It was just like, um, we can't hear the birds now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. It's like, I know. Yeah. It's like I mean, yeah. It's just like more of a, an appetite for what nature is already providing for us. Mm -hmm. more simple more and where would that fit into your sensory um, development yeah all right that's a good
1: question I think um, I mean just by spending some time in nature you can have you know have I like the refuge sort of spot like for me it's like where i go to really think through ideas and mm-hmm. kind of do like a walking meditation that's like for me that's what being in nature and hiking is mm-hmm. by myself
0: um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: or with friends it's you know the same but you're sharing a social connection so mm-hmm. um i'm sort of going a little bit off topic but i think it's it can be um just a regulating place for people yeah
0: um, yeah just- just just if we just allow ourselves to just be there and really be there and not bring all of our other stuff with us and just just for a minute you know it's just
1: yes yeah and i know it's i mean i've definitely been somebody on the russian river that had a boom box in my youth <laughs> and now in my in my oh, older age i would be like let's listen to the birds of course but oh, um, yeah so i can relate you know there's yes that, there's you know, maybe some maturity. I don't know. I mean, it's,
0: yeah, no, uh, it's uh, just
1: exposure, but, um,
0: yeah, it's just interesting to see what people are tuning into. And yeah, I don't mean to be all judgmental or anything like that, but it was just, it was just funny that, you know, we were tuning into the, even to the silence, which I'm kind of, I love silence.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we really have to kind of retrain ourselves to or or train or some of, you know, train ourselves to just be able to sit Mm -hmm. in silence. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I not to digress, but I um, read a book recently that my friend recommended called how to break up with your phone. And it's just (laughs) so much information about, you know, how our attention span is really getting whittled down. Yeah. From this constant, you know, using our phones and, uh, you know.
0: this is important what you're saying. Yeah,
1: yeah no, it's I, I, I knew it. But like, when I was actually reading it in the book, I was just blown away. Like, oh, my gosh, this is really changing our brains. And yeah. um, So just even taking five minutes, like that can feel like an eternity to sit outside and just sit there and listen and observe. Um, yeah, can be a great practice to
0: wonderful i love that um i i want to put that book into our show's notes yes because i think it's a, a really good important counterpoint to everything else that you've been sharing with us and everything that you're bringing to the families in your area i love it i really love it um this is not a luxury this is this is this is essential for the future Yes, for I right am. now, it's really essential. So it's important what you're bringing, Maggie. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for oh. allowing me to talk about it with you and for listening and being a wonderful um, teacher as well. I've learned a lot from your listening to your podcast.
0: Oh, you're <laughs> <Yes>. a sweetheart. <laughs> you're a real sweetheart. Um, all right. Anything else that you want to share with us? or?
1: I don't think so just um yeah
0: just take a minute to just to
1: everybody who listens to this podcast I want you to go and just be outside for two minutes and not do anything else and just see what might happen
0: <laughs> what you might observe. I love it and breathe I have to remind breathe. myself I'm when I'm outside to cause sometimes I just I'm focused so much and I oh, forgot to
1: breathe yes
0: yeah, so. or really breathe you know
1: Yes, yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's different when you're outside.
1: Yes. Yeah, I love a yeah, big breath of fresh air. It's invigorating.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you. We'll be in touch. Okay. Okay. Bye. 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 Okay. So, um Now, I just want to encourage you to check out the show's notes because there is something for everyone in just about every area of interest and need within the resources that Maggie shared with us in this show's notes. I really hope you'll check them out. Uh, There's uh, information about Maggie and her credentials and her website, which is liveoakkids.com. And how she could be uh, accessed on Facebook and Instagram. Then there's an article about the Natural Start Conference that she was, uh, a, a link to the Natural Start Conference and that she was describing. There are some great articles and resources about early childhood opportunities that are there for everybody and then there's a really interesting article about sensory processing which maggie was hoping that you would read because it's very important and she didn't really feel that she had enough time to describe it in detail but these are ways that this isn't just happy fun doing things with our kids this is really helping them to develop physically and uh, neurologically It's really important. There's also a link to How to Break Up With Your Phone, that book, and there's a fascinating article on the importance of outdoor play for young children's healthy development. So, good, I hope you see how important all of this is basically, fundamentally for children's social-emotional life skills development because when they have that healthy, healthy base and healthy connection with the natural world and sharing that with family and with peers. How could there be a downside to that? So thank you again to Maggie, and thank you to all of your listeners for sharing this enriching time together. Okay, until next time.